Hello, welcome to episode three of the Town Manager Download, a podcast about local government and the town of Shrewsbury. In today's episode, we're going to discuss uh, Shrewsbury's new police station being built on Maple Avenue that I'm sure most residents have driven by uh, recently. And also uh, with special guest Police Chief Kevin Anderson talk about 21st century policing and what's been going on in the Shrewsbury Police Department since he took over as chief in July of 2020. I'm Kevin Mizikar, the town manager of the town of Shrewsbury, and as always, I'm joined by Principal Department Assistant Taylor Galusha. How's it going, Taylor? What's up in the show? Oh, there's a lot going on in town. Um, I think um, we're really looking forward to finalizing uh, a couple things before the end of the calendar year, and then we also see a couple new things emerging. Um, that will take shape throughout uh, calendar year 2023. Um, in that first department, the select board's working to finalize their American Rescue Plan Act funding, uh, and they'll be engaging with residents over um, towards the end of the month of December through a public forum and then voting to ratify their final plan. Um, Shrewsbury received over $11.5 million in American Rescue Plan Act funds and We've allocated only about three and a half million of that as we allowed the federal government to finalize its rules and then actually receive all the funds, um, which we, we didn't get in hand until September of mm -hmm. this year. So um, the board's put a bunch of project areas together to get community feedback on and allocate nearly all the remaining funds. So that's a, it's a major milestone that um, we're looking forward to getting behind us because we've been doing a lot of planning and then starting to implement some of these projects. Um, it'll take the next 24 months or so for us to get through them. Um, we have to allocate and spend it all by yeah, a certain date yeah, too, we, right? Yeah, so, and that's just about 24 months, a little bit more than then. So um, our plan is to spend it all by the initial deadline of December 31st of 2024. So um, a lot of work to do to spend that kind of money and layer it in on top of all of our other projects and programs. It's a good problem to have, right. um, but we're excited to get it underway. So then we're wrapping up the strategic plan. What's the, what are the next steps on that, Taylor? So we'll be, we've been sending the edits back and forth to kind of finalize the document, get it perfect. Yep. Because <laughs> um, it'll be kind of following us for the next seven years, seven almost years. 2023, yep. so the next right. seven years. Um, and we've started implementing the outcome areas into our budgeting process, which we'll talk about more in the near future. Um, and the board will be formally accepting it at a meet upcoming meeting. So that'll be it for like the, I guess, planning process of the strategic plan. And I think we'll get to the exciting part of kind of seeing the last year basically in action. Right, and residents are gonna get used to seeing the icons mm -hmm. um, associated with all the project areas, which will begin to take shape, not only in the 2024 budget process, but also with the American Rescue Plan Act funding as we move that forward in those surveys. Yeah, and we tried to make it, or I tried to make it as kind of cohesive as possible, so the colors kind of follow it through mm -hmm. each project area and the icons, like you mentioned. So. Um, hopefully residents will get used to seeing that and can kind of see the planning process in a more tangible way. Great, yeah. 
No, we're looking forward to, to um, again, getting that. A lot of planning, and now it's time for a lot of doing. Yep. Um, so, so moving to some, I think, more tactical projects. There's two major, well, there's a couple. There's a well, lot. there's more than two yeah. major <laughs> uh, projects underway, kind of on the private side of things that are working their way through planning board. But the two that stick out the most in my head right now is the new car dealership uh, at the intersection of Route 9 and South Street. Um, that's uh, a major development of that lot that's currently vacant. Mm -hmm. uh, folks will be familiar with that intersection uh, just down the street on the uh, eastbound side of Route 9 and a lot of other car dealers. You know, you have CVS there on the mm -hmm. at the intersection, Price Chopper. Uh, we've been getting a lot of resident um, yep. feedback in our office about the entrance onto South Street. Um, there's a lot of investigation, traffic studies, traffic impacts um, that are being taken under consideration for that project. We're really excited to have that type of investment and uh, it was a, a, a large piece of land that was acquired several years ago and in my mind it's still kind of one of those things that opened my eyes and, and it seems like from that point we've seen a lot of land being acquired and a lot of interest in develop, mm -hmm. development in Shrewsbury, um, commercial development and residential development. So um, nothing too significant on the residential side at the planning board right now, but that second project has is a mixed use project that has residential components and um, commercial aspects. And that's one through seven Maple Avenue where um, the, the site of the former Beale School, which is a town owned property that has had its fair share of public following and engagement um, both prior to ending its use as a, as a school mm -hmm. uh, as we worked on a vision for the town center and then um, what's happened since then is yeah. uh, we're about to dispose of a, of a significant piece of uh, town land in the town center which regardless of the town that you're in there's gonna be a lot of interest in that so um, there's, uh, you know, so the first planning board meeting uh, happened uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, I just want to take the opportunity to talk a little bit about the the rules and parameters whenever the the planning board is going to deal with this permit. So, because of the housing um, needs in the Commonwealth, a couple years ago there was new legislation that was passed that that put new parameters in place mm -hmm. for um, projects like this whenever they're being developed and actually lowered the threshold for things like special permits. Um, whenever a developer's coming in and is required to get a special permit for various uh, use, there's certain opportunities that the developer can take advantage of that lowers the threshold for that special yeah. permit. And it's all related to housing. And in this instance, it's because it's within the town center or, you know, designated town centers across the Commonwealth that the state has said housing is so important um, to the benefit of everyone in the Commonwealth right now mm -hmm. that communities can only require a simple majority vote. We, you know, traditionally, a special permit requires four fifths of the planning board mm -hmm. uh, to issue, but but in this scenario, a simple majority is all that we're allowed to require. So uh, I don't think that came out very clearly in the, the conversation at the first planning board meeting. So we'll clean that up at the next meeting, but there's really no discretion for the town here because certain parameters have been achieved. 
um, and met by the developer. That includes the number of affordable units, the fact that it's in the town center, um, and the fact that it's 80% of uh, area median income is gonna be applied um, to those affordable units. It's gonna be a simple majority that um, is gonna be required for that project. So I think that was of interest. And then of course, parking is always of interest in yeah. the town center. There's, uh, we've, we've gotten a lot of emails on that. Um, we did a town center parking study several years ago that um, will need to be introduced into the planning board and, and talked about. There's a lot of um, private parking and, and a moderate amount of public parking in the town center and it's something mm -hmm. that we're really working on. Actually, when we approach the town center uh, zoning district, there's no specific parking requirements associated or yeah. within the, within the district. With the district. Right, it's uh, quite different than any other district that we have. So um, there's parking there and it's now, we have to be a little bit more creative. And this project, uh, one through seven Maple Avenue, can't, can't be the end all for parking, right? We need to incrementally address it, which I think the select board did a really good job um, doing whenever they negotiate a land disposition agreement and getting a private developer to serve the public interest with, right. with public parking on site, which they wouldn't have otherwise done. So um, I think this is just one step in the right direction for improving public parking and we have to be creative with shared parking arrangements like a lot of other towns have to mm -hmm. because we only have the space that we have to redevelop and keep the town center vibrant. So. Yeah, so there's a lot of focus on the planning board in the SHREW right now, and um, so that's pretty much what's up there. We have an email. We do have an email, okay. We have an email address. First, oh yeah, we do have an email address for residents. For to, yeah, to engage with us, um, and that's tmdownload at shrewsburyma.gov. So uh, each segment we hope to, an episode, we, we hope to, um, answer questions mm -hmm. about what's going on in town. Um, if there's a certain aspect of local government that you're interested in, maybe that we haven't talked about, if um, anything else that, that you want us to consider in addressing, and just send us an email again at tmdownload at shrewsburyma.gov and we'll consider your questions or topics for discussion and bring them up at a future meeting. So anything try else you tie, wanna say about yeah, that? Yeah, just try and tie them into the episode that right. we're talking about so they might not get addressed within one episode, but if right. we have that, we kind of have a outline of what we want to talk about on the podcast. So right. try and make it relevant and put it into context with some other things we talk about. Yeah. So, so as, as we asked so many times, be patient with us. Yes, right? please. And then uh, we'll get to your questions um, as we line up future episodes. And we, we really appreciate that. It's something that we're really looking forward to. Uh, as we uh, develop the podcast and, and making sure that we're engaging with residents as much as we can and answering questions and providing the information that you're seeking. Yep. So we appreciate you listening. And the current events might sound mundane sometimes, but I think that's kind of part of why we started the podcast is to be able to talk about current events in town and right. put it into context and make it a little bit more approachable. So Absolutely. I, hope we, I hope we just did that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and as we move into you know, the administrative calendar changes throughout the course of the year. We'll address both internal and, and external things and, and fun things that are going on. Um, yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, the new police station and um, yeah. address some town manager stuff with that. And then we'll uh, 
expect the arrival of our guest, uh, Chief Kevin Anderson, in just a little bit. Um, so I guess, like we've talked about a lot leading up to this episode, all the communities in Massachusetts are a little bit different and sure. we're different than other states. Kind of what's the role of the town manager with the police department and yeah. its relationship at the organizational level that some people might not think varies, but or Massachusetts, so of course it varies. Right, like like everyone, like so many other uh, aspects of what it is the town manager does. For us, it's defined in the 1953 uh, Town Manager Act. Um, and there's nothing specific mentioned about uh, the police department, but of course it, it places a town manager um, as the appointing authority to all positions across the community with the, except the few that were carved out for the select board. So on the municipal side of things, the police department falls under the, the TM appointment authority. So uh, I work uh, hand in hand. Uh, Chief Anderson and his team do, do the heavy lifts, right? They do all the thorough investigation and, and make those recommendations. But, you know, it really puts the, the town manager um, in, in, a, in a direct relationship. Mm -hmm. I would imagine um, a lot of residents uh, think about um, other cities and and maybe you know assume the the chief um, makes all the appointments and there's no doubt here in Shrewsbury that that I rely upon the chief to to make those recommendations and and take it 99% of the way but it, it's my signature that's required in the end and 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 that you know brings responsibility with it to my position and mm -hmm. uh, it's something that I enjoy working with Chief Anderson on uh, depending on the position um, you know, the chief and I have been talking about uh, different roles and how we're going to approach things. So, um, yeah, I mean, so just like, you know, nearly every other department within the, in the community, you know, that brings a certain level of responsibility to the town manager's position that um, I think is a little bit different than other communities. So the default in Massachusetts here is that the select board holds that appointing mm -hmm. authority. Uh, there are some communities that the chief of police has appointing authority. Um, it just varies by what the local charter is. And then of course, when there's appointment authority, everything else on an HR basis goes with that. Yep. Um, so again, in all instances here in Shrewsbury, uh, Chief Anderson and his team does 99% of the job and, and looks to the town manager's office and human resources for support as they make those decisions. Um, I know there's been, you know, uh, a lot of interest in this with uh, changing things with civil service and uh, a lot of conversation about that. But yep, here in Shrewsbury, it all falls in the Town Manager Act and um, puts the town manager in a formal role with regards to uh, appointing and oversight and things like that. Kind of touched on it a little bit. So you mentioned civil service. What is civil service for those that might not know and kind of what does it mean for us to be a civil service community? Right, yeah, so civil service, um, boy, this takes a history lesson, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, I mean, civil service, um, early 19th century, uh, everyone will maybe either smile or shudder about their uh, various uh, history courses that may have taken in, in high school or um, college about local government. And, you know, there was that whole spoils system, you know, that term of political appointments and, and dismissals of employees and local government, the federal government on purely a political basis, whether you pay to play or 
make someone mad. Um, and because of the emerging professional role of um, employees, professional employees, uh, who served the various governments that they worked for, it started at the federal government that they put in certain protections for those employees, and that, that is what civil service is. So it, it makes the basis of hiring and retaining or dismissing those employees all based upon merit and not on political decisions. So this is the era the country was moving towards more professional government away from the spoils system. And I think it was, you know, in the 1800s that they, you know, civil service really came to be and started to break up those, um, you know, boss, you know, political boss mentality at the local level and the mm -hmm. corruption that was associated with those things. Um, you know, so as the, country went, so did Massachusetts, and um, today uh, we find civil service in place mainly for public safety aspects, and um, I think a lot has changed because the mentality of local government, uh, not only in Massachusetts but across the country, I think there's a, a, a higher level of understanding that everything's done on a merit basis and a professional basis. But civil service still plays its largest hand there for public safety. Shrewsbury, a lot of employees used to have a civil service designation, but we, we only have that in police and fire as far as new hires go mm -hmm. um, here in 2022. And um, yeah, so it's, it's evolved over time. Um, and I think maybe all aspects of civil service hasn't evolved, Yeah, you know, there's still a test that's in place. Um, there's certain criteria and political um, things that have evolved, like who gets preference in the process, who doesn't get preference in the process, um, that have been layered on over time that don't necessarily tie back to those early roots of eliminating uh, corruption. They don't necessarily fly in the face of it, but mm -hmm. it's just different. Um, so a long time has passed since it was put into place, but um, currently it provides a specific um, hiring process involving a test, and then um, we select from a list of those highest performers on the test or who has the highest ranking on the test based, based on how they scored and also other preferences that I was just talking about, whether you're a veteran or or a member of your family used to work in um, public safety and was maybe killed in the line of duty. Mm -hmm. That gives you additional points and preferences. Um, and then it provides protections to the employees on um, what it would mean if we were to let them go or how they're promoted and what those expectations are. It's just really defined. Um, so that's, I think, a three minute or longer explanation of civil service and, and how it impacts Shrewsbury today. Very um, process-centered. Yeah. yeah, process-centered, antiquated, um, challenging at times, doesn't produce the outcome that the public necessarily wants it to produce, mm -hmm. doesn't produce, um, in a lot of instances, a lot of diversity within those ranks, and those are the things that have been focused on at the state level. Uh, Fire Chief Vona was on a special commission f uh, to look at civil service reform. So, um, yeah, so it, the system needs to continue to evolve, but it still serves a, a fair role in, in how we operate today. So moving on from 
I guess the basics of the police department in Shrewsbury and kind of talk about the, I guess, exciting project that they have going on right now with the new police station almost being yeah. done. Um, there's a lot of, I guess, steps that we had to take to get right. <laughs> to almost final completion um, coming soon. So kind of how does a project like that start, get funded? How did, how did the, the plane get off the ground? Right. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is the police department has gotten passed over several times prior to actually getting the funding on board. It, mm -hmm. So there's been a long standing need because the station that they're working in was built in the um, early 70s and a little Band-Aid was put on it in the mid to late 90s. Um, it certainly doesn't serve a community of 40,000 in the mm -hmm. Associated Police Force. So uh, literally for, it's been well over 10 years, you know, the project was envisioned and needed. And, um, you know, ultimately whenever the town leaders, the select board, um, manager's office, police leadership, others in the communities saw the opportunity where the community um, was potentially able to fund it, uh, in Massachusetts, we have to go to the community and ask them, like, are mm -hmm. you, are, you know, first we go to town meeting and we say, would town meeting allow us to borrow a sufficient amount of money to replace the, the police station? And we give them the estimate, you know, this project is about uh, a little over $30 million. And then in Massachusetts, uh, we go to the, the ballot. So all voters have the opportunity to uh, vote yes or no whether they would be willing to raise their taxes mm -hmm. uh, in accordance with Proposition Two and a Half to cover the debt service associated with this project, in this case for 20 years. So that's the kind of the informal lead up, looking at the needs of the department. How do we? What would it look like to to run a department? You know, not only in 2023 when the building is going to open for, but for the next 50 years. So what are those right. needs? And then will the community provide us an opportunity to borrow the money and then fund it uh, by raising their taxes? So, of course, along the way, we've gotten those green lights mm -hmm. um, and we're building and is almost completely constructed a, a beautiful uh, station that we'll get to talk to the chief about here in a couple minutes whenever he comes on board. So looking forward to that. The project's been overseen by the uh, Police Station Building Committee, which is made up of town staff, elected officials, and uh, residents at large. So they're keeping their eye on that $30 million, and they're making those decisions with the feedback from the department of what right. needs to go in the building and you know things like, why is it so big, right? Like, we'll, we'll talk to the chief about that, and, and he's going to tell us everything you know about the building and, and what's going on inside there and what he's looking forward to when he gets there. So residents are kind of involved from the beginning all the way throughout the process through like the building committee as well. Yeah, even they have it, the representation yep. there. Yeah, I mean, it, it went to town meeting, you know, 240 elected residents there mm -hmm. um, get to, to help us make that decision. Um, building committee, you know, is an opportunity that all those meetings are open. People can come and uh, ask questions, get them answered there. Um, I think we're looking forward to the most of showing the community what, what the building looks like and how the police department will be served by it and how they'll be served through it. So, um, yeah, plenty of opportunities for residents. And I think building committees, if someone's really looking to get involved in a, a unique project in town, when those come up and they come up 
you know, every so often, every mm -hmm. few years. It's really um, something, obviously, that's tangible and visible in the community that you can say, I volunteered my time to, you know, help the community uh, with this project, and uh, it'll be there for a long time. And you get your name on a plaque. You yes. know, what's better than that? That's exactly. my favorite part of the building project. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of just like community spaces and whatnot or involvement, mm -hmm. um, they're part of the police station. We wanted to include like those public and community spaces that yes. we sometimes feel like we're running short on um, just right. for space. Like we have the library, which has some awesome spaces available. Um, Town hall, we only have two meeting rooms, one that's substantially large enough to host meetings. Right. And that's kind of kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We try to do that with every project. We, you know, the police, excuse me, the fire headquarters building has a small community room in it. Uh, uh, the Shrewsbury Police Department takes that to the next level. Um, you know, there's dedicated, you know, it'll be limited, right? You know, it's for business operations during business hours, but opportunities for residents to use the space. Uh, at other times when they're mm -hmm. not being used by the department. And there's three of those rooms. So a couple of small rooms and one larger uh, room for a larger gathering space uh, that can accommodate larger public meetings uh, and meetings of you know groups from the community. So yeah, that, that's another way that we'll get the share in the use of this station. And there's a little bit of activation of the outdoor right. area around it too, which I'm excited to go yeah. eat my lunch yeah, <laughs> out exactly. there during the yeah. late spring yep. and summer. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I think it's really impressive how the project's shaping up uh, as it presents itself from Maple Avenue. Um, and uh, those community, like that little park space and natural environment and keeping as many trees as we could and, and restoring the historic rock wall, mm -hmm. I think are all attributes and assets to the building. And we look forward to them being finished up um, throughout the winter and then as spring emerges. And there's actually some pieces of feedback we received through the strategic plan. People mentioned wanting like a message board, like an mm -hmm. electronic message board that you see in a lot of other communities. And kind of all we have right now are sometimes the DPW highway signs that are very limited on what we can actually communicate out right. because of the software. It's really for construction and emergency purposes. And then we have the um, old-fashioned oh yeah put each letter up mm -hmm. on the uh, placard in front of the former Beale school right. so um, it'll be exciting to have like an electronic yep. board outside it's of the like the McDonald's station. sign can we call that like you stick the letters up there right you know, yeah exactly letters but you don't need a ladder for for that one that one's right. shorter <laughs> you don't need the long pole no yeah, no, that's that that is an, a nice feature that will uh, accompany the opening of the building. Um, so just another way, although somewhat old school, but another way to engage a, with the community. Yeah, it's a nice action. Yeah, <laughs> yep. A lot of people drive down past Maple, that yep. route. So yep. um, and the solar panels too. Right. Yeah. So um, there's solar the panels that have been incorporated mm -hmm. in. It's a. I think it's a really smart approach to it uh, those solar panels are freestanding but serve as cover to police yeah, it's cruisers it's over the the parking lot right. or their parking yep. lot yep and those have been fully um there's conduit in there mm -hmm. uh, for electric vehicle charging you know uh, we're buying all new hybrid police cruisers uh, 
okay. and will begin emerging into the fully EV market if it presents itself um, and is a viable option. And um, so, yeah, that's a unique opportunity to um, add to the uh, renewable energy that um, is in the community and will benefit not only the police department, but uh, other aspects of the community as well. So, and again, provides cover in the winter, <laughs> a little bit of shelter, uh, along with some other indoor space to, to store the frontline cruisers. But, um, you know, right now, uh, it greatly expands the protected area for uh, our police cruisers in comparison to what we have uh, on the campus right now. Because oh, we, we kind of share that I don't know for people that visualize town hall we have the two driveways and right. the one that we always come in and out of in the morning and at night yep. is the same as what right. the police the police officers use too which is yeah. sometimes tough i feel like i'm scary always, did you I'm say like, yeah did you say scary? <laughs> i feel like my head's always on a swivel right. just like making sure i'm not missing like them needing to come out yeah. or being in the way so yeah this will definitely be enhance nice that to, safety yeah yeah yeah, there's no more, there'll be no more, you know, cruiser needs to go out to help someone in the community and they're trying to get past someone that, you know, came to the town hall or an employee or, you know, someone that's two different mindsets. Parking on yep. the sides and everything, so it'll be right. good. A lot better, a lot yeah. better. I'm trying not to steal Chief Anderson's thunder and talk too much about the police yeah, station. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> He'll never know. No. <laughs> um, and I guess, when are, when are they going to get in there yeah i mean the, uh, a specific date hasn't been set but um you know january later in the month of january we'll probably get the certificate of occupancy and then mm -hmm. we look forward to welcoming members of the community in for an open house sometime in the, the spring uh, early spring months so we're, it's just right around the corner um you know, we got to reflect back on that decades long or longer um, path to get us here and all the people that have contributed to that and worked on it and, and all those police officers that didn't have the opportunity to work yeah. from the new station and, you know, tripped over each other just trying to be at roll call and, you know, didn't have room to write reports and things like that. This, this new station will make us uh, uh, have a modern facility that we need to serve the residents of the community and we're excited about getting that opened up and um, it will provide a lot better service level and amenities to the community that that is long overdue and I think I started like around like a maybe a month before the groundbreaking I remember yep. that being one of the first like events I attended and then now we're here so yeah pretty quick yeah <laughs> yes that's it's been a project that's gone really well for us with all of our construction partners um, so we're proud to you know continue to say we're on time and you know under budget on budget just as was proposed which is the goal of each one of these projects so definitely harder during COVID yeah too. and great yeah great work by all involved um, inflation and supply chain just to stay on budget uh, is noteworthy in and of itself, let alone, excuse me, stay on schedule, let alone stay mm -hmm. on budget. So it's, it's been, it's been uh, a lot of good work by a lot of people. So I guess at this point, um, we will await the arrival of our guest, Chief Kevin Anderson, and do some introductions and get folks more familiar with their police chief and talk about things that are going on at the Shrewsbury Police Department. 
Welcome, Chief Anderson. It's great to see you. Hello. How are you both doing today? We're good. We're good. Excellent. Um, so uh, it's a pleasure to have you here on the Town Manager Download. We're looking forward to talking about uh, a number of things um, about the police department and just give residents an idea about what goes on on a day-to-day -day basis and things that have been going on since uh, you've been the chief. But I assume that you might have held a couple ranks before you became the chief of yes. police and it's not your first job in law enforcement. So uh, at least that's what you told me in the interview process. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you tell uh, the listeners about your uh, career path uh, in law enforcement, how long you've been with the town, you know, have you worked anywhere else? Just give them a, a little flavor about your career. Sure. I actually remember the, the day that I wanted to be a police officer. Oh, really? Yeah. I was uh, 10 years old. And it was uh, 1978, April. And I know the day because it was the day of the Little League Parade in, in town. And we had the parade in the here morning. Here in Shrewsbury. And here in Shrewsbury. Okay. We had the parade in the morning. In the afternoon, my mom came into my bedroom. And she said, uh, Kevin, the police are here to see you. And being 10 years old, I was like, what do they want to see me for? And I walked out into the garage, and there was Officer um, Sandy McLeod, Uniform, badge, gun, with a 10-speed bike next to him. Now, that was a little different because I never saw a police officer with a 10-speed bike, but he advised me that I won the Little League raffle. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was a 10-speed bike. Yeah. Nice. It was much too you big. You didn't it was, steal it. You didn't steal it. I didn't steal it. Okay. No, no, I didn't steal it. <laughs> and uh, the ten, I remember the 10-speed bike was like up to my shoulders. I liked BMX bikes at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, I never even rode the bike. It sat in my garage and it was always way too big for me. Oh, wow. But I said to myself, he has a gun, a badge, a nice uniform, and gives away bikes. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. What else could you want? Yeah, and that was it. Wow. So then when I was about 21 years old, I started seeing some older friends become police officers that I really respected. They were friends of my brothers. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I think I, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. So I took the exam. And at that time, when you, you took an exam, if you didn't score like one or two on the list. The top of the list. Top of the list. Top of the list. Forget it. You were just not even hired. You would yeah. never be able to make it in this town. Yeah. And I believe I got like a 98, which made me second okay. in line. And yeah. about three years later, I was selected in wow. 1994. So it took three years. It took three years. So you passed, you passed the test, the civil service test, which we talked about mm -hmm. a little bit earlier. And then for three an years. opening to occur... It took, yeah. Yeah, and it was three years later, and ironically, it was Officer McLeod that was well, now Detective McLeod. He was doing my background check. Oh, really? Yeah. Same, same police yeah. officer. Wow. So during that time, I, I decided, what could I do to help me be a police officer? And I became a Massachusetts Department of Correction officer. Mm -hmm. And I did that for three years, and I learned a lot. I learned that there are some not nice people out there. Mm -hmm. And they also learned uh, a lot about de-escalation and how to communicate. Because and, and when you work in a jail, you don't have a, you don't have a gun, you don't have a weapon. All you have is mm -hmm. you know, your voice. Mm -hmm. So that really helped me in my career. 1994, August 2nd, I was hired, and by the best police department in the country, mm. Shrewsbury Police. Yeah. And so over the years, I was able to do a lot of things within the department. I was Hyde's patrol officer, a lake patrol officer. I was a detective. I managed the detective bureau. I was a lieutenant commander of the detective bureau. And then in 2020, July 2020, 
I was selected as police chief. Awesome. Yeah. So what's, um, what's the biggest change been for you as, as a chief versus any of those other positions that, that you've had with the department? Well, I always say like those positions being in detectives, I was able to work in the um, Worcester County Regional Drug Task Force. Mm -hmm. I was a commander of Detective Bureau. Those were, those occupations, they, they were fun. Mm -hmm. Being a chief's very challenging. You know, you, you got the responsibility of being the, the um, leader for public safety for the town. Mm -hmm. It's very rewarding. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see you have a plan in place, and it's nice to see it mm -hmm. uh, come to fruition. Yeah. Anything, so across your whole career, anything that stands out from like a big, a big success story or a, um, community interaction that, you know, since you've been a police officer that really stands out in your mind that, you know, or is it just that totality of that career, putting it all together that, you know? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, different stories I have that you can make an impact in someone's life every day. Yeah. And that's what's great about this yeah. this, this field, yeah. is that every day you have the opportunity to make someone's day. Yeah. You still feel that in the Chiefs role? I do. Yeah. I do. I, I love this job the, the same I do now as the day I started. Great. In fact, I remember being on the, on the force, maybe it was like two months, mm -hmm. and... I had my first call. It was my first call. It was at three o'clock in the morning. I was off field training, mm -hmm. and I was on field on circle. And a woman saw my cruiser. It comes running up to the cruiser, mm -hmm. and I was like, "This is it. This mm -hmm. is the big call." Mm -hmm. And for an hour and a half, I helped her get a bat out of her house. Oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. learn real quick. Yeah. That you got it, you like a jack of all trades. Sure. Mm -hmm. And there was no Google then. Mm. So I had to kind of figure it out. I was taking a piece of paper, you getting like, a piece how of paper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, now I'd have a video for five minutes <laughs> right. and tell exactly. me how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Stand by, I'll be in my cruiser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I hate bats. And I, and I hate mice. So yeah, it was, yeah. it was challenging not to show her that I didn't like bats. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's I was great. able to get the bat and brought yeah. it outside and it took yeah. off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's great. Um, certainly um, a lot of challenges coming into the position uh, during COVID and building a new police station. And, but you've been with the town for a long time and um, certainly that serves you well in everything that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. But, you know, um, every, every leader has their own vision and, and, you know, no matter who it is and how great the person is that went before you, you do, do, do things differently, right? Because sure. you're your own person. So, you know, what's changed in the department, uh, you know, since you've been there and, and what have you been working on for the last two and a half years or so as chief? Sure. So, as you know, during my, my interview process, I put together one year strategic plan yeah. and part of that was to do a SWOT analysis of the department and that's where you identify your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities and your threats and then at that point we put together a five-year strategic plan and we utilize in 21st century policing principles. Yeah and what, what, so what is that? What is that term? What's 21st century policing? Sure so 2014 um, President Obama put together a tax force gave 90 days and it was uh, large city police chiefs, it was union officials, um, civil rights organizations and community members. And they put them together for 90 days and said, come up with a, a way of conducting, doing policing where you could have foster great relationship with the community. And out of that, they came up with six pillars. Okay. 
And if you focus on those six pillars, mm -hmm. you will have a very effective police department. You have a great relationship with the community. Mm -hmm. And those pillars are um, building trust and legitimacy within the community, policy and oversight on everything you do, community policing and crime reduction, focusing on social media and technology, educating and training officers and officer wellness and safety. Mm. And this new police station is a, a perfect model for this type of policing. Yeah. It's covering all of it. And it's gonna be a, a great um, police station when we open it, to be able to have 21st century model. Yeah, so that that's that's interesting. Let's maybe talk about that a little bit. So a lot of those things, that you, a lot of those six pillars are, are things that, you know, you know, are so important to all employees, but definitely the police department, the, the safety, the training, um, the well-being of, of the officers. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the station. You know, uh, how's that gonna help? How will the station help with training? What, like, what, what are some unique features that will just kind of raise the bar for, for our town? Sure, the, the new police station has a, a training facility that is gonna be able to have 50 officers fit in that training facility. Okay. So we'll be able to better train our officers. We'll also be able to bring in outside training mm -hmm. to conduct training mm -hmm. within our building. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to travel. That, that helps with cost. Sure. Also, they can attend training while working. Mm -hmm. We also have a, for officer wellness, we have a gym that the officers can utilize to be physically fit. Right as well as a Milo simulated training area. And what that does is that the Milo instructor sits behind, <clears throat> excuse me, sits behind a, a screen and they have a, a situation that you're watching on video. Mm -hmm. And then how you react to that depends how they're gonna change the scenario. Okay. And so now we can do a lot more training as opposed to just once a year. <clears throat> we'll be able to do it daily, weekly. Mm -hmm. So it, it will supplement our firearms and our de-escalation training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah de-escalation is, is a, a big word, and you mentioned, you mentioned it whenever um, you were talking about your first job at, at the Correctional Institute. Um, what, how will that Milo training help with de-escalation? So it's not just firearms, as I understand it, but like, maybe talk about a scenario that might come up in there. Sure. So it's just there's over 1,800 scenarios, oh, wow. and so how the officer acts is how the the my own instructor can we'll have my own instructors on staff and okay. they can change that scenario. So if you're acting properly and de-escalating it, they can de-escalate that situation. Okay. And it's just by by using the mouse, sure. you just kind of change how the scenario okay. plays out. Right. So it'd be for example, if you responded to they're gonna a good example would be like a domestic assault. Mm -hmm. So you go there and if you can de-escalate it, mm -hmm. it would it would stop and you know you can separate both parties. Mm -hmm. If not, it could it could turn worse. So is this Milo Tray? It's like a is it a room like an immersive environment with the screens I'm envisioning? Exactly. Okay. So it's it's three walls. Three walls. Okay. And you're actually they have our our firearms, our pepper spray. Actually, they're molded, so it's the same exact feeling. Okay. And it would. That would depend what you use. Mm -hmm. Whether you have to just use de-escalation, or it could be a mm -hmm. it could be a shoot no shoot situation. Sure. So they're everywhere from a, just a casual interaction with someone who may be suffering a mental illness mm -hmm. situation to an active shooter event. Wow, that sounds like a, a a great piece of technology. Are there any other departments in the Commonwealth that you know? Have? I think there's only two. Oh currently. wow. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So 
such a unique opportunity and, and really um, sounds like it will help the officers get up to speed um, and just stay trained and, and stay sharp whenever it comes to those types of interactions over what we can do right now. That's great. Absolutely. Appreciate that, yeah. Um, so whenever we, you know, you went through the other uh, pillars of the 21st century, uh, there's a lot of community focus in that. So um, I know since you've been here that, you know, we've, we've created, you know, a social media page uh, for the department and we also now have a mental health clinician on staff. Why, why don't you, let's, let's start with social media. How, how's the Facebook page going and, and um, you know, how's that working out for the department? Yeah, it's going great. We launched our Facebook page in December of 2020 and it's just a great way for members of the community to see what we do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And 30 years ago, the model was a rest model. Mm -hmm. Now it's community-focused model. Mm -hmm. And so for them, this, they'll be able to see all the good things the officers are doing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Great. So uh, the mental health clinician came on board in April of this year, 2022. Um, what's that program look like and, and how has it helped the department? Oh, it's been a huge asset. She just does a great job. Okay. She really does. We, yep. We've avoided sending people to the hospital for mental health evaluations, sure. and she can conduct them on her own or assist them with getting the services they need. Because mm -hmm. sometimes taking somebody just to the hospital yep. isn't what they really is, right. isn't really what they need. Right. So it, yeah, it's really helped quite a bit. That's great. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful uh, addition to the department, I know, and uh, I've been pleased to, to hear about those interactions and just, you know, such a positive outcome that you've been able to lead the department through. So where do you see the department in, in three to five years, you know, looking forward and, and building on those pillars of the 21st century police department? What, what, what other lines of business or service areas do you think we need to focus on to make Shrewsbury a, a better place? So one thing we realized during that uh, SWOT analysis of the department mm -hmm. was that most departments our size have a community services division. So okay. a, a whole division that's focused for that community services. Mm -hmm. So I think that going forward, if we could create another division mm -hmm. and have a community service division that would have uh, several things within it, it would have a traffic division. Okay. It could have the mental health clinician to be assigned there as well. Mm -hmm. Also, our lake patrol would be assigned to that division, and then we can expand on it from there. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, it's interesting. It's something that you and I have talked a lot about, a community service division and, and building the infrastructure and getting staffing levels there. Um, why don't you talk about the department right now? I know, um, you know, we're at a, we're at a, We've grown staffing, but still some challenges in that environment. So, you know, talk about staffing a little bit. What are, what are the, the positives, the, the, the challenges that you've seen since, you know, you've become chief and, and just the general, general outlook on, on how the department operates with the, the patrol officers we've been hiring? Sure. When I, came, when I came on board in 2020, we had 51. Okay. And now we're at 58. Okay. And so that's 58 sworn. Yep. And we have a mental health clinician, an animal control officer, and we also have 15 part-time officers. So we've grown quite a bit, mm -hmm. and it's just that this community has grown. Mm -hmm. This community is very unique. We are sent, we're located 
right in Central Mass. Right. We border the second largest city in Worcester, uh, Worcester the second largest city in New England. Mm -hmm. We are 41 miles west of Boston, and we have four major highways that go through town. Right. So realistically, our, our town is more like a city, especially during the day. Right. So those, those officers have really helped you yeah. know, with calls for service and... But that's like all that. they've really been doing, right, Chief? I mean, we talk about this quite a bit in, in, in our meetings that we're trying to get to that model to be more engaged with the community and be more proactive with non-criminal you know, criminal aspects of the community, right? But, I mean, what's call volume been like in the last few years? And, and with that you know, population growth and, and even those officers, it doesn't seem like we can get to the community needs as much as you would like. Yeah, our call volume is almost around 40,000. So the national average is 2.2. So that would put us over 80 sworn officers. 2.2 per, per thousand. Per thousand. Per thousand me. residents. Yep. So that would put us over 80 sure. sworn personnel. We're very similar to Marlboro, and they have, I believe, 90 officers. We have 58. We have 58. Wow. We're also very similar to Braintree, mm -hmm. and they have over 100 officers wow. dealing with the same population. Yeah. And similar and similar demographics and similar highways that go through town. Yeah, it's just getting there is hard. Sure. Because during COVID, the academies cut down to half, half um, filled, so they went from 50 seats to 25. So now we're in the same boat as every other community in the state. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get police officers and trying to get them into academies because we haven't been able to get them in academies over the last couple of years. Yeah, and, and there's another component out there, I think, too, right, and that's interest in policing. You know, there's been some, you know, depending on people's opinion, a lot or some negative press about, you know, police in general. How do, How's that, you know, how do you see that, you know, at the ground level of, of getting new officers, trying to fill, grow the department to meet your vision and, and the needs of the community? Like, a lot of applicants, you know, how's that been? recruiting folks? It's very hard. What we do stick to that we hire very hard. We have to stick to that. So to give you an example, when I took the police exam, and I know we spoke about earlier that yeah. I said you had to be the top one or two, yep. and it would be three to 500 people, residents in town that would be on that list. In April, it was 22. 22. 22. Versus three to 500. Versus three wow. to 500. Yeah. And so we're really quick, we're in non-residents. So mm -hmm. even right away, we're, we're in non-residence, mm -hmm. which is unheard of in civil service. Mm -hmm. But I think that, yeah, there has been some bad, a bad couple of years for policing, but I do think that we're getting some really qualified candidates mm -hmm. that, that are coming through. We really hired some great, great officers. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we're, we're having a hard time. It's across the state. It's national. Mm -hmm. But it's not just policing. It's mm -hmm. nursing. It's mm -hmm. teachers. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just you know, we're having a hard time with these types of jobs, mm -hmm. and that's on a national level. Yeah. So, so we're trying to increase staffing. A lot of other departments are trying to increase staffing, so it's hard to get people into academy, and there's, there's you know, less applicants than historically we've seen. It seems like the trifecta of challenges of, of, of getting uh, police officers on board, but, I mean, I, I think you're obviously absolutely right that we don't sacrifice in that process, right? We, we only hire the officers that meet the criteria that we've set forth and standards for this community. I don't think we can ever sacrifice that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we have a very demanding uh, field training program as well. 
Okay. So it's not just the academy, it's mm -hmm. after the academy and sometimes, you know, it's it's just difficult to make it through. What's it, what's field training like? What, what How long does it last? What do you do? How's that work? It's 12 to 16 weeks and okay. it depends on, you know, how you're progressing mm -hmm. and you ride with an officer, a seasoned uh, officer that's actually trained in field training. Okay. It's, it's actually a training you have to go to for two weeks and that's intensive as well. And you're monitored on a daily basis and you're scored and you're evaluated. And, you know, this job is very, very challenging. I say it's, it's three pieces. It's you're a guardian of the community, you're a community policing officer, but you also have to be a little bit of a warrior mm -hmm. because there are times, you know, you could go make a five-year-old's day at, mm -hmm. at Lemonade Stand and two minutes later you have to go respond to an active shooter event. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand that that's a possibility. Sure. So this, this, this job's not for everybody. Right, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, this is great. So if we look, look to some of those uh, community facing aspects um, that um, we've been talking about in, in order to fulfill that uh, vision and those pillars of 21st century policing, one of the things that you've brought up is a citizens police academy or a junior police academy. What are your thoughts about that? And um, what are your goals for that? And what would it look like if, if we were able to move forward with something? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So if we had a, a Youth Citizens Academy, it would be an opportunity for people in our community to see actually what we do mm -hmm. and how we do it. Mm -hmm. And it would be run just like a very similar to our, our real academy, but obviously much shorter, it'd be two weeks. Sure. And they'd do all the standard things. They'd get trained in, um, in legal, uh, mm -hmm. Motor vehicle law, constitutional law, CPR, first aid, mm -hmm. and also go through scenarios that we would go through, especially with that Milo Training Center. We could do that there, and it's an opportunity for for them to see what the career's like. That might be something they'd be interested in, mm -hmm. and also to see what we do on a daily basis. Yeah, it's not always what people think we do. Sure, yeah, it's much different. Yeah, so. Um you know, it's a, you call it a junior academy. What's that target age group that, that would be appropriate for a program like that? This one that we're, we're working on will be middle school age. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, so that's a interesting time in youth's life as they think about what's out there and opportunities and start to conceptualize careers and, and what they're gonna do in the future. That's, I'm excited about it. Yeah, I was really I happy too. when we've been, we've been talking about that. Um, I think it's it, made a great program. Yeah. Yeah, it, it will definitely complement and I think serve as eye-opening, maybe like your bicycle experience, yeah. you know, after the Little League parade on a broader basis, right? Yeah, sure. Like it will it'll introduce policing to uh, a whole new group of folks. That's, that's a wonderful idea. So, um, well, time goes so fast when we're having these conversations, um, you know, as we look forward to the, you know, the near term, you know, beyond the opening of the, of the station, um, you know, we normally ask our guests to talk a little bit about where they may be seeing your department or what may be going on in the coming months. So any thoughts of police department initiatives that, that you're taking on on behalf of the community or things that residents may be seeing as we kind of close things out here? Sure. So I don't know if you may have seen, but we increased our uh, community policing footbeats. Okay. So we've been doing those down at the uh, Lakeway District. Okay. We've increased those. We've increased increased our bike patrols, 
And um, yeah, we're looking forward to having a new station so we can people enjoy those community rooms and yeah. come to get to know us. Yeah, That's and there will be an open house or some type of event like that, Chief, to kind of share in the, the, the and ex have residents explore, you know, what that new station looks like on the inside. Absolutely. Great. We're looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to that as well. And uh, really can't thank you enough. We know you're very busy and uh, taking time to come down here and, and talk with us and help residents just understand a little bit better about what happens at the Shrewsbury Police Department. So uh, take this opportunity to recognize all the hard work of you and your staff. It's something that um, many of us take for granted and appreciate all at the same time. So thanks for keeping the community safe. One of the safest communities in the country, Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, lowest crime rates. Um, thanks for all your hard work on that, Chief. I think we've come to the end of uh, episode three of the Town Manager Download. Uh, residents can engage with us through uh, our email address at tmdownload at shrewsburyma.com. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to us. Have a great day.